to those that point of the, the operation, I had loads of body taps at night. And on, I, I, yeah, I've got so much to share, but eventually, well, just to talk about my, my new girlfriend, I drove down to see her and at the hotel, I, I wake up at night conscious, my eyes are closed, and I feel two hands slightly touch me on either side of my body. And I'm being pushed on the bed from one side of the bed to the other. I don't feel the bed, I feel I'm gliding. And I thought, I'm being abducted. Like, okay, so I send love out. I, I was expecting grace. I send out love telepathically. And what I, I was expecting like verbal talk, like, like telepath, telepathy. And instead of that, I hear these high-pitched shrills. Like inhumane, something you'd hear like in a, a movie, a scary movie. And I thought, oh, that's weird. I send love out again because I was super calm. I'm being moved on the bed. I send out love and I hear another high-pitched shrill, a shriek, a banshee shriek. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? G'day, g'day, welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to present another show for you. And I have the wonderful Yan Gray with us on the show today. G'day, Yan. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Hello. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about Yan. And please remember, if you're liking the show, subscribe to whatever platform you're listening to the shows on. We're on a lot of platforms these days, all over the joint. I've been watching Yan on Facebook and YouTube for quite some time now and watching what he does. And I'm loving what he's doing. And I thought, let me share Jan's experience because he's normally sharing other people's experiences and I wanted to share Jan's. So Jan Gray, also known as Mr. Gray, is a French-Canadian lifelong experiencer and host of Experiencer Interviews, a podcast show on YouTube speaking with people around the world who share their stories about extraterrestrial and otherworldly experiences and phenomena. Yan is from a small mining town in Canada where everybody knows your business <laughs> and has been an experiencer since he was three. Once he started grade school, although, his experiences stopped but returned when he finished college. He's a college graduate with two mining degrees and Yan holds private gatherings with people who are interested in knowing more about the ET phenomena, helping them in their own awakening process from ETs to UFOs, UAPs, shadow beings, angelic experiences and psychic predictions, visitations, visions, communications with the afterlife. Yan has been blessed with the chance to live out these experiences. On Yan's show, Experiencer Interviews on YouTube, Yan and his guests speak about ET-related abductions and contact experiences, out-of-body experiences, many types of close encounters, the ET hybrid program, the secret space force, 
and paranormal phenomena and much more. He goes there. There's amazing people out there in the world where who Yan is finding who have hidden their story for so many years. And Yan, you seem to find them and get them out there on your show. And they some tell their experiences for the first time, right? On your show? Yes, of course. They uh it takes a while to convince them, but mm-hmm. as soon as I get the chance to befriend them, some of them might take like one or two years to finally uh, have the, the courage to come on because to come out publicly is it, it, it's one thing. And mm-hmm. it, it's very difficult for some. And a lot of them have problems regarding that because coming out, uh, at least for, I had a like single mothers on that didn't want to share their names because they, they were afraid that their exes might give them problems regarding that they're, you know, they're, their their own their children yeah their their child, child and um, child support so child services and all yeah, that so yeah. yeah we do have to be uh we have to be very careful when it comes to uh coming out uh, uh like we talked about earlier during the uh before the show um I go by Yang Gray now uh I chose to change my name because I was afraid that I'd lose my job eventually so for some they some individuals it's easier to, to come out for some it's a bit less that uh it's a hassle really to to come out and uh so i'm glad i i, I did eventually i did a few conferences back in the day with my own uh, with my own name but when i was threatened by my boss to uh that i might lose my job i, I decided to change my name and uh, move to another town wow yeah 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 we were talking before i pressed the recording about full disclosure i was telling Anne that i'm somebody who wants to normalize this stuff and, you know, last year was such a big year for for disclosure, for ET disclosure with, you know, the David Grushes and the uh, Ross Coulthard and, you know, making documentaries about all this stuff. And what I loved about their full disclosure is they're not just talking, you know, there are ETs flying in spaceships across the, in our skies. They're talking consciousness. Like you should check out Ross Coulthard. He's got a couple of podcast shows he's done where he's talking consciousness and how, consciousness drives the vehicles and then he gets into you know telepathy and all that phenomena and it's just amazing what's happening in our world now <laughs> having haven't been talking about this stuff for over 20 30 years and uh, it's starting to come out in the mainstream but it's still scary for many to that that stigma of you must be crazy if you believe in aliens it's still quite rife in the collective understanding and uh, hopefully with your shows and shows like yours and shows like mine that is changing and i want to just tell people where they can find you there's a few links obviously you've got a facebook page which is experience interviews official and you've got a facebook group where people can chat it to each other on yeah. facebook called experiencer interviews official too right oh, yeah is that the name of the group as well? Yeah, yeah. And you're um, and you've got some Patreon, some um, you can donate to Yan on a couple of links he's got on his YouTube channel, which is also called obviously Experiences uh, Interviews. But let's get into your story when you were three. What was going down, Yan? So imagine uh, back in the seventies, we didn't know much about ETs, right? Especially uh, Northern Canada, let's say, and. Uh, of course, you know, we had the, the old tabloids or uh, anything that came out of the U.S. ETs back in the day uh, wasn't really like a hot subject, really. And so 
I was born in 1975, so around the age of three. And uh, my brother, uh, he was born four years after I was born. So he wasn't born when this happened. So I, I remember telling my mother that there would be people in my room at night. Now, I don't remember seeing them. So either the, the thought of them was blocked. I have no idea. But this stayed with me. I was so afraid knowing that they were there in the dark. Like my mom would say, okay, well, you're afraid of the dark, but I was afraid of the, the closet you know, under the bed, the windows and whatnot and the door. And, but I, knowing that they were there, I, the fear was so big that I had to sleep with my entire body against the wall. So like a plank, really, uh, I didn't move. So that's how I slept up until the age of 11 with my entire body against the wall. I didn't want to look behind me because I knew they were there. Sometimes my mom would wake up and she would realize that I was right beside her bed watching her sleep. Now that freaked her out because she would ask herself, how the aunt did I get out, out of the crib? Now, speaking to a MUFON researcher back in the day, he told me that sometimes when children are being brought back, they go to see their parents sleep because that brings them comfort or a form of security. So, but I didn't, again, I just thought I put that aside as fear of the dark my entire life up until the age of 40, let's say. So my brother's born and I, I changed to another room um, and nothing major happens in that household. Um, one thing is that I realized later on is I still remember my first nightmare. I'm not sure if that's normal, but... Down the road, I realize it's probably a screen image. Now, uh, the ETs show themselves, and sometimes they change their appearance in front of you, right? To something more um, less fearful, less frightening. So this is what happened. My first nightmare. I'm in my bed, my new bed, and I'm looking at the end of the bed. And what I see is on, on the end of the bed is a three-foot-tall boxing glove doing this. And I end the dream, I call out to my, my, my parents and they come and the energy is really off. Like, what's happening? Like, oh, I never felt this before. So where was I? I have no idea. So my, my dad picks up and I start pointing at the, the club and they can't see it. And that nightmare stayed with me up until now. And I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. So eventually uh, we move to, uh, to another town. And um, so nothing happens up until really the when I finished college and I'm finally on my own for my first time. But the, the time I stopped sleeping a bit against the wall was around at the age of 11. And um, I'm sleeping. I realized my, I'm, I'm conscious, but my eyes are closed. I'm, I'm on my bed, on my back. And I realized my legs are up at a 45 degree angle. I cry out no in my head and I feel my legs fall back to the bed. Oof. And I, I black out. And that's when I stopped sleeping against the wall. So my entire young adulthood, teenage years, nothing happens. So to me, again, I didn't know, I always put these aside as uh, like fear of the dark, nonsense, could be anything, right? There's a lot of, uh, in my maternal side, my mom's side, there's a lot of um, ghost stories. So I 
we we were brought up with the paranormal, right? But again, we I didn't ever put this as, like down as like ET ish. So I finish my second college degree and I move out of town and I start working on my own, like far away from my folks for the first time in my life. So I'm out of the conditioning of school. Uh, and I'm like, so I, I'm naked to the world now. So um, I had, I took this mining contract and uh, within a few months of being a, a, in my new apartment, um, that's when the psychic stuff starts to kick in. I'm about to fall asleep in a Delta wave. I think you, when you start just about to fall asleep and you're like slowed down a bit. So I'm looking at my bedroom closet and in the air between the closet and myself, the air starts to bubble up. So like heat rising from hot pavement or like water and oil mixing together. Very weird. But what I'm seeing that bubble-ish thing is my brother's face. Uh, blonde hair, his, his head's tilted to the side, his eyes are closed, and I felt he was dying or drowning at least. So the next morning, I call up my mother. Now, she's my go-to person when it comes to experiences. Uh, she would, because uh, she was into angels and crystals, and I even bought her a, a Barbara Marciniak's uh, the, the, the Pleiadian book there. And um, but we'll get to that later. And um, so uh, I tell her the story. She calls up a few days later telling that my brother is at the hospital getting massive blood transfusions. Because the the uh, the medic the the IBS ulcerative colitis he was taking medication for that, and the medication was killing him. His blood wow. platelets were severely severely low. Wow. And because he was in good shape, he was able to, after rece receiving massive blood transfusions over over the course of a week, he was able to to bring them back up, and they changed his medication. But that was my first case of having psychic stuff relating to my family, or at least when they're in danger. Then I contracts over, I move back to my hometown and I'm able to find out work. So I, I moved to another town and um, now this is where the ET stuff starts happening. So this would be in 2000, well, 2007, let's say. So um, I'm dating this new girl. I'm renting an apartment and a second and a house, second story. And this would happen in the, the summer. So the more you're up in the building, the more hot it tends to be. And uh, my my bedroom, the 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 windows were open because the I had barely like any type of draft coming in. Like it was hot, so we we slept almost naked. So the the windows were open, the binds were were open, everything was open. And I wake up in the morning, and for some reason I'm on my back, which I don't. Being a child of the '70s, we were brought up to you know sleeping to sleep on our stomach as a kid, and uh, so I always slept like that. And so I'm just looking around, no glasses, of course, but without them, I can see very well. And I realized that there's something floating above my head. Just uh, like at the end of the bed, maybe like uh, six feet in the air. And I'm, there's this, this dark thing. And I, I start focusing on it. And I'm tr I see a black line. I'm, tr I'm tracing the line. So imagine looking at an upside down guitar pick with the... The big part at the top coming down like my face, like a, like a chin. Now, then I start focusing on the insides because it was semi-transparent. 
So I only saw the black outlines, but I, then I start focusing in the center. Then I'm realizing there's like big round eyes at the top. And I thought, oh my God, it's a face. And I didn't know anything about ET. So I thought, okay, it's a ghost. And, but it turned out it's the face of a gray, really. But, or a mantid, because what, yeah. yeah, what confuses me is like most of the grays I've talked or I, I've seen like two grays, like in an out of body type of thing, but they all have these uh, tear shaped eyes, tear shaped eyes, but oh, his wow. or it's whatever were perfect, perfectly round. Wow. And at the top of the head, like a, a, an ant person or a mantid, let's say. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm perfectly calm for some reason. And, uh, really relaxed so you, you'd expect that seeing that in front of you you jump up right so i get the feeling that to turn to my side and uh i was dating a girl at the time so i i just hugged her and i fell asleep a month later in that same bedroom i'm sleeping and on my left side and an inch perhaps away from my ear i hear the a lady's voice say you're going to be an uncle and your parents grandparents I wake up in a jolt, flip the switch on, suspecting somebody's in the bedroom. No one's there. I turn around, look at my girlfriend. She's sleeping. I thought, oh, that's freaky. I, the next morning, I call up my mother, tell her the story. So we, I completely forget about the story. Three months later, now to, to backtrack a bit, my brother got married fairly young. And he would try to get his wife pregnant. And it never kicked in. They tried for years and years in vitro, hormones. She almost died because whatever they gave her, her belly swole up to like huge proportions. And they, she had to go back to the hospital, to her hometown hospital to get her belly to uh, like uninflate, let's say. And uh, so we thought, okay, uh, I'm, I don't have any kids. So I thought, okay, my parents will never become grandparents. Now I, I've got this lady voice telling me that I'm going to be an uncle. Now, three months later, almost to the day, my brother calls up and he says, Yan, do you feel old? And I thought, wow, that's a weird question. Well, you're going to be an uncle. It's like, hey, congrats. And so we talked about like half an hour. And then I call up my mom. And of course, he called her before, right? Yeah. And that's when she tells me, do you remember about the, the lady voice thing? And that, that's when I remember and my jaw drops. And it's oh my God, that actually happened. Yeah. So, um, after that, um, well, my girlfriend and I, we break up and I decide to buy myself a house. So I, I move into a new, like what they call modular homes where they're built off site and they're, so the site wasn't really like, like old Indian burial grounds or it wasn't nothing. There was nothing special to the site. So, but as soon as I got into the, on new house, I start saging. And the first thing I say is, to my ancestors who, and to all those who know me or, or knew me, you're allowed to come and visit as long as you protect the house. Well, lo and behold, my trash bin would start to open and close at night. <laughs> After 12, let's say, all the time. Maybe <laughs> once or twice a month. All the time. And, um, and uh, yeah, just to backtrack a bit, in the the uh, the first apartment there, or the uh, where, where I had the gray, um, during the night I heard the word serendipity in my head. I had no idea what that meant, and uh, so 
back in the day, we I don't think Google existed at the time. I had to Yahoo it. And serendipity <laughs> meant to, uh, this, these things are weird. Everything's connected, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, the definition meant that like uh, meeting somebody out of the blue in a weird place, like a happy circumstance, but unexpected, but it, it, this was weird. So each time I, I would like, I'd be meeting someone and said, well, no, this is, this doesn't kick in. This, this doesn't like really relate to serendipity. And so uh, I started getting ill, right? And my mom says, why don't you go see this uh, this medium? She's supposed to be really, really good. And I wasn't really into that back in the day. Uh, I used to I used to be a big bodybuilder, <laughs> a bit different from now. But um, so I go see this lady and she's always, she's looking at me, but she's looking to the left all the time. And she, her, her eyes are watery. And like she's talking to somebody. And uh, she says that you're going to meet somebody in, a, in like a year and a half, two years tops. Her hair is going to be blonde and she's going to be, her hair is going to be here. I, I didn't know what she meant by doing this, but her hair is going to be here. So each time I was dating somebody, they turned out to be brown haired. And out of the blue, one year, a year and a half almost, um, I go to Walmarts of all places. And I meet a, like an old friend. And he was waiting somebody. And this is where serendipity kicks in. Yeah. We see this blonde, like angelic Nordic lady coming up to us. And it's the blonde lady that comes to us that, that knew my friend. And turns out that she's... Um, well, we almost got married, like long story short, but she she's the one that woke me up to all this ET stuff because she's a child gray abductee from the UK. Well, this is Canada and I'm, I'm meeting, a, a, everything's connected and we're all pieces of the, of the, of a, of a chessboard. We're being moved around. Yeah. But, um, so, so we talk a bit at Walmarts and she emails me later on. And she started talking about these this ET stuff. And I thought she was in a sect. Little uh, I know about ETs. Then all that she starts sharing with me, because she was doing like a trip around the world. And uh, everything that she shared started to make sense. I started connecting the dots with my own experiences. Like she was put on my path mm -hmm. for like a reason. And uh, so her, her mom used to date Ozzy Osbourne. Her, yeah, that's a yeah. She got a few funny stories with that. People can't believe me, but like, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. Fabulous. And um, her great grandfather was the, a knight and a brigadier in the military, and was best friends with Eisenhower and General Patton. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Wow. And uh, my phone was tapped the entire time we dated. Wow. And uh, yeah, each. When I eventually she had to go back to the UK because they're allowed like six months in, six months out, whatever. Yeah. And so each time we, when we, I'd call her, uh, the, I'd get these 1980s beeps, like doo -doo 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 -doo, weird that you'd get on the phone, which you don't have normally. And, yeah. and then I'd, I'd hear a, like somebody pick it up the phone. So each time I'd, I'd speak to her and another experiencer friend who used to live near where I lived, uh, that would happen. Uh, and it stopped when we broke up. Now, um, I won't get into her story because she'd kill me. But um, so, yeah, she she was put down my path to, to help me out.
So she, she eventually came back from her trip around the world. When she came back, her hair was here. When I met her, her hair was shoulder length. So that's why the medium was doing this, because she couldn't gauge the length of hair she had when we'd meet up for the first time. Yeah. So, so was, when she came back, she had short hair. She had short hair because she eventually went to India and the monkeys played around with her hair and it, it really screwed her hair up and she had to get her hair cut. So yeah, so we did the, the second night she was at my house. We did a CE5 for the first time. Hmm. Now, that was my first CE5. Hmm. That's the first, the first time I saw satellites moving in orbit. I thought satellites did not move. So I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm seeing lights moving around. The third night, 45 minutes in, now we were on a, uh, on my front lawn and we're standing up this time because normally we'd lie down on a bed sheet and we'd look at the stars. So at, at around 9.45, 45 minutes after we did the, uh, the C5, uh, we do these chants. Uh, we even tried the, the, the Greer protocol. And uh, so 45 minutes, a UFO flies over. Let's say 45 feet above the power lines. You could th you could have thrown a rock at it. It was so close. Um, at least ten feet wide. Wow. Uh, orange, red, round-ish, like a roundish egg, and it glided just above the the power lines, and we were looking at it. Everybody was outside because this was in August of 2013, uh, and uh, you know the, the the neighbor's kids were outside. Nobody saw it except us. Now. A week later, I decided to go visit my parents. Uh, I was alone this time. She had to go somewhere else. Somewhere else. I do a CE5. An hour later, so now my parents lived by the woods. They had a, a nice cottage by the lake. And we did, uh, I, I did a CE5 for about an hour. And after that, I didn't have any like UFOs fly over. So I, I felt a bit sad. So I thought, okay, they came for her being she was like an abductee. So I go to, I go inside to see my folks for like five minutes. I come outside, and as soon as I put my foot off the, the, the front porch, I get the feeling to look up. As soon as I look up, the same UFO come, comes flying overhead, just above the trees, like at 30 feet above the tree line. Slow gliding, no sound whatsoever. Uh, it was like it, it, you saw it was a, like a ball of light-ish, but it didn't radiate upwards. So my, I get the feeling to go inside to, to get my folks. My mom being into this, she came outside fairly quickly. She saw it up close. My dad, uh, like maybe 10, 15 seconds later, a bit, maybe a bit more, but the UFO is a bit further. And he said, oh, it's a plane. I could have smacked him. I was so mad. He could have seen it up close. But from that moment on, my dad started having contact. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Um, got any questions or do you want me to continue? <laughs> Darling, it's fascinating. I, I, I'd say continue. I've got millions uh -huh. of questions. I've always got millions of questions, but you're doing a good, great right. job of telling the story. Um, now, just to get into my dad's uh, experiences, uh, a few months later, he had uh, a really bad cold, so he didn't want to wake up my mom, so he slept in the guest bedroom downstairs. The, the moment, for some reason, they've got perfect timing. As soon as he woke up during the night, a four-inch golden orb my dad's down to earth, right? He doesn't like he didn't believe in this whatsoever. So a four-inch golden orb came in through the bedroom window, and it and it floated 
just above his head and it like glided from one side of the bedroom to the other and then, then it came back out through the window but he tried to catch it it either went through his hand or over his hand he doesn't know but it had like weird wonky energy moving inside and um so he had that he would also get like i did which i'll get into later but he get would get body taps at night he'd wake up with a shadow being beside him which he thinks it was his mother that passed away a year prior. And not too long ago, he where he I so I moved to the same town where he's in right now. And his and his new home, he uh he he eventually called up. He says, Yan, I woke up and you'll never guess what I saw. I saw a weird looking clown beside my bed looking at me. Uh -huh. I tried to kick it and it disappeared. Mm -hmm. Thing is, the the Greys tend to use clowns as a screen image, also. When yeah. About it. Yeah. The thing is that that I knew there was a screen screen image is that they, they 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 show themselves as a clown, but there's always something off. They're not like perfect. They're not human, so they can't project themselves perhaps as a a perfect looking clown. Something was off. His clothes were were a bit weird. So I thought, okay, well, I told him that, that that's definitely yeah, a screen image, and um. So yeah, coming back to my story. So I'm back in my my modular home house, and uh, so my 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 fiance is with me, and um, so so this was in August 2013. Uh, the, the, again, the, the the trash bin would open and close at night. So eventually she heard it. She said, "What was that?" And I said, "Don't worry, it's only the trash bin." Um, and uh, one so we we have these weird energy feelings at night we'd wake up at night and like the energy was so dense and it was painful we had to get up and walk it off uh, i didn't know what's happening this is weird and um so we fall back asleep and uh like so yeah in december of 2013 we i wake up at night so imagine the cold northern canada minus 36 centigrade centigrade it's cold, and because of the cold, I tend to wake up a lot. Sometimes go to the, to the bathroom. I slept right beside the bedroom doorway. So I'm in my bed, facing the doorway, and I open my eyes, and at what, like maybe like two feet in front of me, I'm seeing this four-inch or four-and-a-half-inch long disc. I thought it was a disc floating. So like up at like four-inch, four-and-a-half-inches yeah, four long and maybe like three-and-a-half-inches wide. So a sort of matte gray, and my brain registered it as floating. Nothing was holding in place. The on the other side of my bedroom was my living room. The windows were open, so there was starlight, moonlight, and lamplight coming in. So that's why I had a bit of uh, light in the bedroom as well. So I'm seeing this four-inch disc, which eventually was probably a black hole or portal. Let's say black portal. So everything happens fairly quickly. I, the light switch was just above my head. So I, I jump, I flip it on. Black, the portal disappears. My fiance wakes up in a jolt. What's happening? What's happening? And I tell her the story. And she says, no, no, I'm not waking up because of you. A man was speaking to her telepathically, EMP, nonstop, electromagnetic pulse. So we knew something was off. Portal, black hole, EMP. It takes about half an hour before we fall back asleep. And then I get the feeling I'm, I'm feeling movement coming in through the bedroom where the portal was. 
Can I ask you, Jan, what was, she said a voice is speaking to her. What was the voice saying? Yeah, like I said, that it was a male voice, sorry. He was telling her EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Oh, he was saying that, EMP. He was saying that. EMP, EMP, yeah, EMP. Yeah, sorry about that. And oh, I see. so we, that, we were a bit alarmed because she had military stuff like threatening her. So yeah, plus we had the, the phone tapping thing. And uh, so uh, we were a bit frightened, of course. And um, so we fall asleep and I'm getting... I'm feeling movement coming in through the bedroom, but I black out. And this time I'm, uh, I wake up during the night. Uh, again, like I said, there was like some light in the bedroom. Um, uh, I'm facing towards my fiance this time. I'm sleeping on my right side now. And what I see in front of the bed, the bed and on her side of the bed were at least five, six feet tall, huge, broad-shouldered shadow beings. And why I say they're shadow beings, I, uh, they, they were like in 2D. I could see through them. They were blacker than the night. Six feet tall because I'm six feet tall and they were the same height as my bedroom closets. Mm -hmm. So imagine American football players, but only see the shadow silhouette on the wall. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing that in front of me broad shoulders and where the head would the head would be or the neck at least was a really big disproportionately round elongated helmet all five of them were the same i'm super drugged up so imagine waking up from an anesthesia at the hospital yeah that's how i felt oh, okay but i'm looking i'm uh, i'm totally conscious though drugged up and for, for some reason, well, you're, you're drugged up. You're not afraid of anything, right? Yeah. I'm able to lift my hand to say hello. As soon as I do that, I black out. I'm conscious again. I realize I'm standing up. I'm looking downwards towards my feet. My feet are bare feet. They're barefoot. And I'm wearing hospital robes. So I'm suspecting I might be naked underneath. I black out and I wake up the next morning. Some people tell me it's my lab. It points to that yeah. because ETs don't generally use like drugging anesthesia type of things to to, to black you out. At least what I've heard. Um, so yeah, it's probably my lab. Yeah, I think yeah. they have uh, the ability to just wipe your memory, um, yeah. but I, I don't think that that feels like a drug. It just feels like like you just don't remember. You like, black out. Yeah. You just don't remember anything. So. Yeah, the fact that you were, yeah, woozy. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So have so, you had any regression therapy for any of I tried once over the net. and uh, Over the internet. And? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, my, I, I might have been too stressed out to not go deep enough. Maybe. But, yeah. Or um, I, I've had a few on that took, um, was it Sherry Wilde that took like five times to... I think she told me that it took five times for her at least to, to go under until she starts recalling stuff. So might have taken a bit more. Who knows? But yeah. Um so and in that same house, um, I started like in two thousand at the end of 2012. Remember, we thought it was the end of the world. Yeah. 
<laughs> I started meditating a lot for the planets, sending energy and whatnot. One time, I, I like maybe like near the end of the year, let's say, I, I go to sleep not expecting anything. And as soon as I, I close my eyelids, on my left eyelid, there was like a projection. Don't explain me how I think it's a projection. I don't know, but I saw images because as soon as I opened my left eye, it disappeared. I closed my left eye. It came back. I opened my eye, right eye. The image was still there. What I'm seeing is a like a, a black and white TV, like a black and white box. And in that box, I'm seeing the side view of an old typewriter with these cylinders that you have to push when you're like to change lines, whatever. Um, and somebody's typing. And the feeling I get from that is I had to start blogging my own story. Yep. That's the message yeah. I would write it down, write it down, write it down. Write it down. Yeah. My fiance had her own like site where she blogged her own stories and she had like thousands and thousands of readers. And uh, so she, like she gave me the idea to, so I, I, I still got the, uh, the old PDFs that I, when I, the, when I did create, uh, when I did log onto the site and I entered my own stories, but um, so the, the day after I start, I meditate again, go to bed, not expecting anything. I thought that, oh, that's a one-off type of thing. And for, for, yeah, just to backtrack a bit. And when I, I went on the site, blogged everything that I could at the time, then eventually I, I, I do meditate and I go to bed. As soon as I go to bed, I close my eyes. What I'm seeing is in the black and white box again, it, it comes back. Instead of seeing a typewriter, I'm seeing two hands shaking on it. Like they were congratulating me, like job well done. Nice. You did what you were supposed to. So I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I would have never thought about like thinking of that. Um, so uh, fast forward. So we had the shadow beings and um, and that same household. My fiance was working on a laptop and she said, yeah, I just saw the, the, the ghost of a young girl move in front of the bed maybe like a few days later, just fall falling asleep. She was still in the living room. I was, I went to bed early and just about to fall asleep. And I start hearing children laughing right beside my bed. Um, so what else happened in that bedroom and that house? Um, Let so me ask you. Yeah. When you heard the children laughing beside your bed, did you speak to them? Who are you? Nope. Why am I experiencing nope, this? Because, you didn't ask uh, any questions. No. Because I, I was so, you. I was alarmed, like, oh, and I said, hey, my, my fiance, I, I just heard children beside the bed. And I was like, I, I guess I came out of that sort of phase or that, that like, uh, like the Delta wave type of thing that, that the, the, whatever connection was there and it was lost. In your mind, you didn't say, where's that coming from? No, no, they were right, right beside the bed. So you just like, you knew they were right beside yeah, the bed. Yeah. Well, because, you know, it was so close that. I knew it was there. It was there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I eventually saw the uh, the the spirit of a cat. I, I used to take care of the, my neighbor's cat, and they were always out. They they left. They would leave the cat outside in the in the freezing cold. I would take care of it because I felt really sad for it. Yeah. But I was allergic, and I started getting uh, like rheumatoid arthritis symptoms, oh. and I thought I can't take care of it. So it, it probably died outside, oh. and because I never saw it after that, felt really bad for it. And, uh, but eventually I saw this white dash jump from the, 
the side of the bed onto my lap and it ran down towards my feet. Yeah. Oh, that was so cute. I've got a cat oh. and I often see the cat in my peripheral vision. She's not, he's not dead, but they astral travel all the time. Like I see the spirit of the cat walking. So I'll look, you know, oh, that's the cat and there's nothing there. And then I'll get, he's asleep, but he's out, you know, he's out of his body walking around the house. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, please go on. Yeah. Oh, well, we eventually get invited to a, uh, like a special C5 and uh, somebody that worked with Bud Hopkins was there. A police officer was there. Somebody that worked for MUFON, another two, one, one, uh, another experiencer and then another couple. So my fiance and I, we, we, drive, we drove down to the C5. And I say out of the blue, like, wouldn't it be funny at 11-11, like a UFO would finally show itself because we, the house was, was on top of a sort of hill. So we had a, a clear view of the horizon. And um, so we're like, uh, at around 11, I say that, and I, I forget about it. Then then everybody's pointing, hey, there's like a, a, a light coming towards us. And it's, so imagine being on a hill, seeing the horizon. Within mm -hmm. a minute, it's already above us. That wow. thing flew hell fast. Yeah. Three lights in a triangle formation with a huge red light in the middle. Hmm. Wow. A triangle UFO. So, but the thing is, we were hearing afterburners. And that really, that thing really put me off a bit because it confused me. I thought, okay, was it a 303B? And because knowing that they were were probably spying on us, and uh, because no, the our emails were probably checked, and uh, so we thought, okay, well, could be a 303B. But I wasn't sure that if 203Bs, like uh, like American UFOs, had um, as a backup. A, uh, like a, a jet propulsion engine. But speaking to other people, they say they said that the TR, no, that was probably a real triangle UFO, but you didn't see like jets in the in the vicinity trying to follow it. So that could have been a thing. But yeah, we saw that was my first triangle UFO. Um so we 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 drive back home and what what happened after that? Um a lot of stuff happened. We uh, eventually the the company I worked for went broke, and uh, eventually I had to sell my house. That really uh, ticked me off, and um, she had to go back home for for a bit. Your and, uh, fiance had to go back. My fiance, yeah. Let me and, ask you: uh, the company that you were working for at the time was that a mining company as well? Yeah, I've always I've been working for mining companies since two thousand. Well, all my life basically, but. That's on my really own since 2005. And um, can I ask you why you chose to get into the mining industry? Well, the, 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 where the, the mines are really active where I where I grew up. Okay. And my dad used to was a uh, an electrician in a mine. So at the age at the age of 16, I started working as a student to make money yeah. because normally the, during like the, the summers they hire students that at least the the children of employees to help them a bit. So. So I've been working in the industry for since the age of 16-ish. So that's the main reason why. And I didn't know what to do down the road. So I decided to study in the field. So that's that's where I decided to do the one, one in geology, one in mineralogy. Eventually, uh, like after 2013, my mom, yeah, also she 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 dies. She caught she uh, she went with my dad to the hospital. My dad had a checkup for his nose. 
and he had a, like a runny nose all the time. And she caught a super virus at the hospital. Within two days, she was dead. Wow. That's that totally. Yeah. She was dead within two days in 2014. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah 2014. And they never closed the hospital. No. So anyhow, so uh, I write to my fiance a letter that she could, because she wasn't allowed to come back uh, up until like six months later, right? And um, she, so she, when she came back, she was able to give the the people at customs the paper that I wanted her to help to help with my the passing my mom and to help my dad. Right. So we, I, I, I was able to sell my house, move in with my dad a bit. And as soon as she came back, the first night she was back home, we were sleeping in the bedroom, uh, the guest bedroom in the basement where my dad saw the golden orb. And she wakes up at a jolt and says, yeah, get me a piece of paper quick. And so I give her, give her a piece of paper and a pen. And she starts writing down the entire page. My mom was speaking to her. Nice. She, my, 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 while she was back in the UK, my mom appeared to her while she was on the loo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she told her, please take care of my boy. He has no one else. Aww. So that's why she came back. And we're going to get married. So, of course, he tried to come back. And um, so my mom was speaking to her during that night. My, my, my mom didn't. She used to speak a bit of English because I was brought up in English Canada. So we, we moved back to uh, French because my parents are French Canadians. And um, so three quarters of the page, my fiance wrote down phonetically what she heard. Three quarters of it was in French. You yeah. could actually make out words, but during that connection, three quarters down, she told she tells my mom, please speak to me in English. I don't understand a word. Okay. That's when the English kicks in. Mm -hmm. My mom said in English, look in the drawer by the window. That's it. The next morning we show the letter to my the page to my dad, and we start going around the house, opening drawers by the window. Can I just now, ask you a question about this? Please look after my boy. He has no one else. So your mom felt that your dad wouldn't look after you, that your dad wasn't there for you? Well, my my, my brother got married fairly young. I was single. I wasn't seeing anybody on my own. So that's probably what she meant. My dad was, too, yeah, my dad, my dad took care of me. That she, He gave me a place to stay. And I, and again, everything's, I think everything's tied down to, um, Everything brought me to I, the, the, the selling of my house, my company going broke. I couldn't find work fast enough. Uh, I had like, again, arthritis. And um, so, and the mining industry at the time was, was, you know, you, you got uh, ups and downs really with uh, every industry. So nobody was hiring at the time. So I had to sell my house. I moved in with my dad, yeah. my mom Pass. you know, my passes. Mm -hmm. So I was there. Like everything happened for a reason that that brought me to help my dad cope with it, because um, he he would he he started drinking. Mm. Um, you know, I I'd wake up at night, four in the morning, the, the lights are still on. I'd find I'd find out that my dad's in front of the computer, with a bottle of beer, or a cup of wine, and he fell asleep in front of the computer. That's how sad it was. So I had to take care of my dad. So that, that was really hard. We we showed my dad the the letter. We go around the house, and where the 
there was a, a desk by the patio window. We opened the drawer and in that drawer was my mom's dream diary. Wow. The second to last entry was that my mom had a dream vision of her own death, yet she didn't know what it was about her death. Mm. In that dream, my grandmother, who passed away, my, my dad's mother, uh, came to her in the dream with other people that knew my mom. And this happened in her house. So the dream happened in her bedroom. And the uh, a lot of the spirits wanted to talk with her, but my grandmother said no. And um, eventually my mom finds out that she was going to get an operation in the chest area. And that freaked her out because she came out of the dream she, and then she fell back asleep and she went back into the dream. How strange. Yeah. yeah. So my mom said, oh, don't worry about it. You're going to be okay. The thing is, my mom wasn't okay. She died. Well, but my mom contacted my fiance at night. Yeah. And she wrote things down in French and English to, to tell her that my mom knew she was going to die, yet she didn't understand the message at the time. Yeah. You know, I, I want to tell you a story about a friend that died, about my mom wasn't going to be okay, you said. She thought she was going to be okay, but she wasn't okay. My girlfriend was born thalidomide affected, so she was sick all her life. Do you know what thalidomide was a drug they gave out in the 60s to women that were pregnant for morning sickness, and it it produced a lot of deformed babies across the world. <laughs> another Anyway, another story like that. And she had been on the verge of death many, many times. Anyway, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. She went into hospital yet again. I had a dream about her and I said to her, are you okay? You, you know, you're okay? Promise me you're okay. And she's saying, yes, I'm okay. I'm okay. Promise me you're going to be okay. So the human me thinks okay, meaning you're going to be still alive. But from her spiritual perspective, she was fine. So she dies the next day. I ring her sister in the morning. I've, ha I've had a dream about Nikki. She she swore to me she's going to be okay. She dies that day, right, or that night or the next day. I can't remember, but yeah. soon after that. And I'm like, you told me you were going to be okay, she says to me. Of course I'm okay. <laughs> I'm just not in my body. And I'm like, oh, um, yeah. you know, are you going to be okay? Yeah, I'm going to be okay. Different question. Are you going to stay in your body? No, I'm not going to stay in my body. But like, we we think that death is such a terrible thing. Anyway, go uh, on. Yeah, well, go on. Yeah, that made me think of a uh, an angelic experience I had um, back uh, at my house before. I, a lot of things happened in 2013. But let me we, tell, um, let's get back to your story and the and your mum communicating with your girlfriend, and you found the dream journal. Did she talk to your girlfriend or you again? Uh, she, my mom, probably the, the anniversary of her passing, my dad was out doing a, a painting contract for a friend. Um, so he was, he was out of town. He was sleeping at the, the guy's place and he, while he slept, he heard, he heard a yoo-hoo right beside his ear and that woke him up. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, there might've been something else with my mom, but. I had a like a, a a psychic thing with regarding my dad, um, like like an alarm or like a universal like watch out, something's gonna happen. But I'll get to that later. But um, I, I forgot a story about like uh, an angelic thing. I went back in at my house. Um, I used to get a lot of body taps at night. 
like like double body taps that would wake me up. At first I thought, oh, okay, it's because of the cold, a nervous twitch. Then I realized I'm getting body taps under the bed covers and I'm like, I'm fairly warm. And this would happen like every month. Uh, it even followed me up until uh, where, I, where I lived with my dad, sometimes like twice during the same night. I remember two taps on my, my, my ankles, my ankle area, and two taps on my right shoulder. And uh, one time I, I did, um, like during the time I used to meditate a lot, I would, this time my, my fiance was out of, uh, out of town. I was, I'm on my own and I'm feeling body taps, like light touches coming from my feet, going up my leg. And as soon as it came to the hip area, I, it's like uh, my eyes are closed, I'm conscious, but I, I'm feeling that the, 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 I'm probably like not be able to, I'm not able to move, but I go into full blown vision mode eventually. What I'm seeing in front of me is this angelic figure like you, let's say, nice, nice blonde hair. She was wearing white, but um, uh, uh, she had a, a nice round face. She looked young, like in her 20s, late 20s. Uh, but she was wearing these sort of 1980s or 1700s pajamas, very fluffy, very big. So imagine Olivia Newton-John in the, the movie Xanadu. She's, uh, she's portraying, uh, I think, one of the daughters of Zeus. Yeah, and she's eventually wearing white, and so like like Olivia Newton-John basically, and she's showering me with love. Oh. Every cell in my body felt love, and I felt paralyzed because of the love. Wow. I thought, oh my God, is this heaven? And that's how it felt. Yeah, and uh, she says, now I thought she was an ET, like a Nordic or Pleiadian, and um, she says, out of the blue, do you want to come with me? And I thought. The first thing I thought was my mom. I said, I can't come with you. My mom's going to, because she was still alive at the time, my mom's going to miss me. And as soon as I say that, I feel huge sadness coming from her. Every cell in my body felt the, her sadness. And I thought, oh my God, what did I do? What did I do? I'm so sorry. And then she says, are you good with motors? I, I thought, what? That's a weird question coming from an NET, let's say. Okay, do you want me to help you with your UFO motor? So, uh, <laughs> like, I, I showed her my hand, like my arthritic hand, and I, I said, I can't help you much with these hands. And then she showers me again with sadness, and then whoop, she disappears in a backwards motion. Now, I only saw her from the belly up. And people in the know that, that have experiences with these uh, entities, they always see the belly up. Because they're like high, high immortals, higher beings, and they only you only see them from the belly up. And uh, so she disappears. And like the next day, or they're like maybe twenty four hours after that, this was in like in, again in, in December, and it was fairly cold outside. And I needed to go to go out and get groceries. And I tried to. We have these starters, so we could start the truck from a distance, because you know it's cold. I want to stay inside, so we start the truck from a distance, and. Um, I, I know you guys in Australia don't have that, but uh, yeah, we 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 yeah, we have starters, and um, so we I I try to start the truck, and okay, the battery's dead. So I go outside, put the battery on a uh, on a charger, come back inside for like three hours. I try to start it again. Oh, it's not working. So my dad called my dad. My dad says, "Go under the truck and try to tap the starter for like a few minutes, see if that works." So I go underneath the truck, remove all the snow. 
super claustrophobic because I didn't plow the yard the night prior. And um, I'm able to snuggle in bet like between the snow and the truck. And I find the starter and I start tapping on it for like a few minutes. Then I go directly inside the truck and I start to manually start the truck. It takes like 20 minutes, then bang, the truck starts. Yes, I, I, I could go and get some groceries. So I go inside the house and that's when it kicks in. Are you good with motors? She wasn't talking about a UFO motor. She was talking, are you good with truck motors? Uh, yeah. How weird the question was, how vague it was, I had to make reference to that. Yeah. But when you came inside the house after you started the motor, you had the memory of what she said or did she say yeah. it again? You had the no, memory. No, no, no. The memory. Are you good with motors? Yeah. Are you good with motors? Yeah. So, Jan, you don't, so I'm so curious, when these beings show up, you don't say, who are you? What do you want? Where are you no, from? No, I don't. Well, What's your relationship these, these, to me? They're all, these things happen all of a sudden, out of the blue. You, how yeah. am I, like the UFO, when it, when it came overhead for the first time, I was in awe. So I just looked at it for like a, a minute. Uh -huh. so, but well, the second time, I had the feeling to go, because I saw it before, I had the feeling to get my folks for some reason. Yeah. It's as if you don't you don't have like much control over what's happening sometimes. Yeah. So so that's what happened. And um so what else? We did she ever come back? No. No. And uh, did she yeah. did she identify herself? Did she say, did she give you some sort of energy signature? Well, um, what I didn't say because it just came back to me. Mm -hmm. Um all my life I felt I was missing somebody, like a girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I knew. Mm -hmm. And so I remember in my, when I was like, like early teens, I'd walk or I, I like, I'd walk to and fro in the living room. Who am I? Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting? Uh. I was super pissed all my life. And one movie that really stuck with me and I was, uh, was the movie um, Child of Glass by Disney. Mm -hmm. Not sure if you remember that one. No. Uh, I, th I think it's in the 70s, perhaps early 80s. It's a story of a kid that moves in with, with his parents into a house that was on a, uh, an old plantation. And he befriends a young, the spirit of a young girl who was murdered there. Now, her mm -hmm. spirit was trapped in the child of glass by her the man or her father, I think, perhaps, that killed him. So she was, she was stuck in that, that doll because of her... Her father, and I think that the spirit of her father was also on the, the the plantation. But looking at how she was portrayed, she wore she 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 wore this sort of white that looked exactly like the white pajama robe type thing that the angel looked like wow. that she was wearing. Yeah. So all my life, I had this sort of weird connection with that child of glass the the the, uh, the spirit because she was wearing white and it was yeah. uh, i was traumatized i only saw the movie once but why am i always remembering that that young lady in white and during other events in that while well, in my first modular home house that i bought i'd had these out of body experiences where i knew i was out of body i was on the floor sleeping i knew my body was in the bed and yeah. i heard this lady's voice say what are you doing on the floor then I'm, I'm feeling this sort of like love and somebody hugging me and I'm being brought back slowly in the bed. Then I black out and I wake up the next morning. And another time, 
I haven't had a raise in like in a few years. So I went to see my boss for a raise and he starts to huff and puff like a, <laughs> and, and like be big like a bear. And he tried to be intimidating. And <laughs> the entire event, I did not breathe in once. So as soon as I, so I never got the, the money, right? I had to leave to, to get it, uh, a raise eventually. But so I went to my office and that's when the, the room started to spin. And I eventually had to go and vomit. I felt super ill. I had to my, I didn't. Even, I couldn't even drive back home. My secretary brought me back, and I, I slept in front of the the toilet on the the bathroom floor. I eventually wake up. My heart's racing, and I go to bed. I fall asleep, and then I realize I'm out of body. I'm in a sort of fetal position, or on my knees in front of the bedroom, one of the bedroom corners that's directly in front of the the bedroom doorway, which connects to the, the living room, which connects to the, where the, uh, you could see the, uh, the main uh, door where you, where you get into the house. So I'm, I'm look, I'm out, out of body. I'm looking at the, the bedroom corner, uh, in a, like a fetal position, let's say, and I'm hearing the door open in my dream state. I turn around, the door is still closed. I turn back towards the corner and then as soon as i do that i feel a hand punch through my spirit body let's say mm-hmm. and it grabs my heart with a hand and that's that's when my heart starts to slow down and then i'm being brought back into my body and i wake up the next morning i'm and i feel i feel okay so it's as if that female entity whatever was following me all my life mm-hmm. Or I'm, I'm somehow connected to it, then I see this female entity for the first time where in a, a conscious semi-dream state, I don't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, then fast forward, um, because when I, I'm sleeping at my dad's house, uh, my fiance eventually has to go back, like, uh, like six months later, back to the UK, and I couldn't find work six months later, and she eventually breaks up because... Uh, she got money from her grandmother who was, they had like a small castle back in the day. So she, um, her, her, yeah, her, her mother and her and herself got uh, like quite a big sum and they bought a house together. So she had a place to stay. And, um, so like for, she breaks up, I think in March, like for the entire month, I wrote to her every day and she never, never responded. I, <sighs> So the, I felt devastated. I was suicidal, really. Because, you know, she, she brought me into the ET world. She was yeah. prophesized. Uh, so much happened together. And uh, I thought she was brought to me to, so I so I take care of her. So I thought that was my mission, really. And so I eventually decide to send her. I cry, I cry out to the universe. Why, 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 why? Like, I was yeah. sobbing. I wanted to die. Yeah. Uh, so I write to her a, a last email. Thanks for the memories. We have we had uh, I had loads of fun, like something like that. At six p.m. Eastern time. So this there's like a five hour difference with the UK. So this is past midnight now. An hour later, I get an email back from her after a month of not getting anything, and she says, "Yan, what's wrong?" Uh, a, f- a female voice just woke me up. 
at night telling me or loud, wake up now. So she responds. I got the entire email still. So she wakes up and says, Yan, the voice was female and alien. Oh. And uh, the voice said to send protection. So she sent protection. I, I told her, well, well I, then I told her what happened. And so, like, so that's why I tell people pray because somebody's listening. Um, so I cried out to the universe and a female woke her up on the other side of the planet or like over the pond so we could patch things up. And uh, we, uh, well, we haven't spoken since 2016. She did call up for uh, something ET-ish. So she was drunk and uh, yeah, we won't get into that, but yeah. So at least we patched things up, right? So is she a guide? I have no idea. Did I know her in the past? It could be. Uh, I never got a name, but yeah, there's a, a lot happened during those days. In 2016, I I started talking in UFO conferences. And after since almost from that time, my experiences dropped. Uh, in 2016, I, I think, yeah, maybe like a few months prior to the UFO conference, I, I went to, I, I spoke at a conference in Maine. And um, I was at my dad's place. And remember, I've got this sort of connection to my family, it was like this psychic thing. Um, during the night, I heard my dad's voice say, Yan, loud and clear. Only that. I wake up in a jolt. But my dad and her, his new girlfriend was uh, out of town. He was out hunting. I thought, oh, okay, could be nothing. He's with someone. I'm okay. No worries. My dad's a hunter. He knows. And he went to hunt where, uh, where he grew up. So he knows the woods. I wake up, 7 a.m., okay, nothing's happening. 8 a.m., nothing's happening. Around 9 or 10, his girlfriend comes up, calls up and says, Yan, your dad just called, because you know, we've got cell phone coverage over there. And he says, uh, your dad called up and he says he's lost. Hmm. My dad can't be lost. The guy's a woodsman. He worked in the woods all of his life. And uh, he used to be a boat captain on lakes, big lakes, and he would bring wood with the help of a boat. And um, so he, was, he's, he knows the woods. And um, so I thought, okay, that's, something's off. Strange. Right. I didn't know where he was, but I knew uh, approximately where he was. And I start driving down. My dad calls up. Says, yeah, come, come down quick. And we talk about, uh, about like for a minute and I, he's panicky. The thing is, I found out when I eventually got to the camp where he was, my dad was out hunting with the, uh, a crossbow that year. Or like, you know, there was a bow and arrow. And um, he came face to face with a moose. He tried to shoot it, but it, it sort of uh, touched the side and it sort of uh, like flew away. The moose ran like right beside him. And so my, my dad tried to take another arrow while spinning around. One of the arrows in his bag, whatever, fell to the ground in the moss with the, the pointy side facing upwards. And when he moved around, the arrow went through his calf, through his boot, 
and he was bleeding profusely, Ouch. but he didn't want to tell us that. So yeah. that's why he was confused. He knew where he was, but he was disoriented because of the blood loss. Yeah. So he, he eventually told my, his girlfriend to go inside the truck and use the, the horn. So he was able to orient himself and walk back. So I, my, as soon as I got there, he was removing the arrow and he was patching himself up. He could have died. Yeah. But luckily it didn't go through any major veins. And I drove down really fast, like an hour and a half to get to the hospital, four lights on. And like, if there was a cop, I wouldn't have given, given a crap. I would have yeah. like, yeah. So I was able to, the, the voice told me, like alerted me that, some, that something's going to be happening with my dad. And it was there to save him. You saved his life. Yeah. Um, so how long ago did that happen? I bet your dad, your dad uh, hasn't 2016, been 2016, yeah. Has he been hunting? Since? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but uh, yeah. He didn't get the message. Yeah, no. But yeah, <laughs> he knows that he has to like be careful. Um, what else? He've, um, so I tell people when it comes to dreams and it, it's outlandish, or it, it's, it's out there. Sometimes, you know, these things happen for a reason or it actually happened. Now, after doing the show on uh, the, the experience your channel, uh, one night, um, I'm sleeping and I'm with my brother and I'm looking towards the, the, the stars and I'm seeing this black thing coming towards me fl flying. And it, imagine like the star of David in 3d format flying towards you. So you say it's black. Because you're looking into a night sky and you're seeing a black thing. Is it, yeah, black it was against the stars? Is it black yeah, against the stars? It's a lot blacker, yeah. Yeah. Because it came, it came up close. And so it's either like two pyramids stuck into one or like a really a star of David, but in 3D. And it's flowing towards us. And as soon as it comes close to us, it morphs into a gray. The gray says, You have an important mission. And then it disappears. As soon as I, it disappears, I, I appear in front of two humans. They're, they're wearing government attire and they're debriefing me nonstop saying, what did the gray say? What did the gray say? What did the gray say? And I, I tell them the gray only said that I had an important mission. As soon as I say that they get up super pissed and they leave. I thought, wow, that's a weird thing. Like then I, I had uh, a guy from the UK on, on my show. His name's uh, Michael Cameron. I'll talk about him a bit later, but he says that, okay, no, I forgot. I skipped ahead. The, the next day I go on Google and I start Googling three-sided black pyramid. And it, the, the, the first image that came out was a Merkaba. Yeah. Now I was confusing that with a, a Kabbalah. With just like the sort of like diagram of the the angelic realm. Yeah, yeah. And I know, but a Merkaba is something that actually exists, which I yeah. I couldn't connect. A Merkaba yeah. is the what the 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 uh, the form where the soul vessel morphs morphs into to move around. Yeah, light so the, body. Mm -hmm. A light body. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So. I saw something that, that I didn't know existed, mm -hmm. but exists actually. I thought that was amazing. I said, oh my God, that actually happened. And I shared this story uh, with uh, Michael uh, Cameron. And he said that the government has the technology to track Merkabas if they don't cloak themselves. So that's the main reason why the, 
the uh, they tracked it to where I lived, and they probably used like uh, remote viewers or like some form of like telepathic contact. I don't know what happened, but so that's how they found me. Let me get this story straight. After you've done a show with somebody, you're looking at the night sky and you see the Merkabar, and then it- no, no, not I, because I was doing the the, the channel. I suspect that it's yeah. important to whatever cause I'm, I'm working for. Yep. And that's why that's why the Grace said I had an important mission. You had an important and when you saw the two military people, did you see that as a vision in your when you're awake? It was like a vision. I, I well, I was sleeping, so Oh, you me, were I sleeping. Thought, yeah, oh, I was okay. Sleeping. So so that was in a that was in a sleep state, but yeah, in, a, in the, a dream state. You saw the Merkabah when you were awake, right? In a dream state. Oh, you were in a so dream. So that's why I that's put it off as a dream. Okay, 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 gotcha. Then I Googled it the next day and and I, that, that thing actually existed. So I thought that was like pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, yeah, my brother's not an experiencer and I thought it I thought it cool that he was there with me. So I'm hoping that one day he wakes up to it. Um yeah. now mm-hmm. yeah, a lot happened. Um what else? Because of my fiance, I, I tried to figure out why I was having these experiences. And because you know, there's some ET-ish spirit angelic um psychic so it's not like super hardcore one thing it's a bit of mishmash and yeah but from that perspective it is all one thing it's consciousness you know like we compartment as the human brain the human understanding we compartment we go angelic et spirit you know we put it in all these boxes and then we form groups and shows about them but it is all one thing it's all consciousness and and higher um, knowledgeable beings, like mm. many ETs, understand consciousness. They understand, yeah, they understand different frequencies and levels of consciousness. And yeah, you know that. I think you said you've had Susie Hansen on your show, haven't you? Yeah, I love Susie. So yeah. when I had her on the show years ago, you know, she was talking about as a child up on the ships being introduced to the soul of her son, and the Grays had said to her you know, get to know him. And so from their perspective, there is no death. There's just you're either in a body or you're in an orb. You know, like there's mm. not it's a completely different understanding. Like here's the soul that will incarnate as your son. So this whole death thing that we go on about, um I know. Yeah, your your consciousness, your your energy is either flowing through a body or flowing through an orb or flowing through something. And they have this understanding. So it, from that perspective, it's all one thing. It's all one thing. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Had a bit of a yeah, but, 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 but thanks to these experiences, I don't have the fear of death anymore. Right. I just don't know where I'm going. So either I go through the light or I, I decide to go out to the universe like uh, Bashar talks about. No, not Bashar, but uh, Alex Collier. Yeah. I love Alex. Um. Uh, yeah. I try to figure out why I was having these experiences mm-hmm. and, um, like a lot of the the Americans that I had on my show, they all have some form of military um, in the family or military contact somehow. And but up here in Canada, we have not much of that. So when I was dating with my fiance, I told her about my grandmother's bloodline. Growing up, my grandmother, I was really close to to my grandma. She would tell us that her family, uh, the surname Aylwin, A Y L. W-I-N, the family was, was rather important, but we didn't know what it meant. We thought they were 
Irish because you know, we do have a lot of Irish immigrants. And that's all we knew. Then I tell her the story and she says, oh yeah, the Aylwins, the Aylwins, they, they, they were nobles, their nobility from the UK, from Devon. Uh, and I start, the, yeah, the, the name Aylwin also appears in a Domesday book, which is um, like one of Britain's old books where they talk about how many like citizens ha like lived in certain area. Um, so I start researching that and the, the manor is still up. I think the, the manor changed from, but the name is like Aylwington, Aylwington, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they held, they had a seat. They were lords that had a seat in the manor of Aylwington. And um, so when you start looking at the name Aylwin, it, it, it's a branch name that came from an older name, which uh, can be dated back to the Roman era. And the word is Elfwine, A-E-L-F-W-I-N-E. -E. So there are two words, Elf and Wine. Wine means friend, but in Anglo-Saxon, and it has a few, a few definitions, but some of the older ones, it means magic, noble, elf. So magic friend, elf friend, noble friend. And recently I was looking at a, uh, a documentary a few years ago on the Anunnaki, the Nephilim, the Elohim. Mm -hmm. And the word elf, A-L-F, also in Anglo-Saxon means the shining ones. Mm. So my ancestors' name mean friends of the shining ones, or friends of the gods. So that my jaw dropped. Like, what? Like, that was amazing. Like, and thanks to her knowledge, so I started like looking up on that. And it, so it was, this is, has a sort of like ancient aliens type of thing to it, really. Mm -hmm. And I met well, one of the, the girls that came on my show was uh, her name's Vanessa Vandervliet. I'm not sure if you had her on. No, no. She's uh, her grandfather's surname is Elphick. Or like the at least the translation is Elphick. A-L-F-P-H-I-C-K. And it's like loosely translated to worshiper or follower of the gods. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, this is fascinating. So imagine if we could trace the, everybody's bloodline and, and try to figure out what's why they're having these experiences. Because I'm O positive, so I, I don't have the, like, the negative uh, rhesus thing to it. Um, and I don't believe that like, just because you've got like a negative... Uh, Rhesus uh, to your blood, uh, you've like that's why you've got a uh, you're an experience about it. Like the experiencer thing, the abductee thing is like around the globe, and they're, they're not really like regulated at least. They're fixated on one type of blood. Uh, but yeah, so I was like, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, yeah, and with all your yeah. experiences, have you had any communication from? apart from the lady giving you sort of small bits, like, are you good with motors? Like, have you had any ongoing communication about nope. who you are, nope. or why you're here, what you're supposed nope. to do? I think you're pretty uh, much following the protocol, like you're uh, following what you need to do. Because thing is, I had Pat Jackson on from the US, and she's uh, like, a, like a major like abductee with the SSP stuff. And I was sharing with her a dream that I had once. Mm -hmm. I'm... In orbit, I'm looking down towards Earth. I thought I was on the moon. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just in orbit, looking down towards the Earth. Other people are with me. My mom's with me. And I'm looking at my dad. 
I see my dad's face, but I know that's not my dad. We're looking down towards earth and we know we were coming. We were all happy. We were coming towards earth. And how was I was looking, the way I was seeing earth is imagine like I'm in a yard and I've got these clotheslines and we've all, we've got these white bed sheets flowing, drying up on the, and in between the, the flappings of each sheet, I'd see the earth. That's how I saw it. Wow. For some reason. So when I told Pat that story, she said, you were probably in a holding area, in a soul format, and you were coming towards earth. Mm. So I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Because mm. I never thought about that. Um, so with the people that I've had on my show over the years, the phenomena is interesting. You can elect to be to have a human life, to be on earth, from a perspective of a spirit, or from the perspective of being in another body on another planet or a ship. Mm -hmm. So you can look at Earth, you're wearing a gray body or some other body, and you're looking at the Earth experience and from your connection to your consciousness in that body, you say, yeah, I'm going to go down and have an Earth experience or down or go and have an Earth experience. So there's a couple of perspectives from which we can choose to be here. And many experiences say that they're in some sort of ET body and they choose to come to earth for whatever reason, to help clean up the earth, um, to help with the hybrid program, to help human consciousness. Like there's a variety of reasons why experiences choose to incarnate into human form, to help their own race by donning a human body and what that human body has to help with um, again the hybrid program and different things so what have people been saying to you on your show about that and i also want to get into deliberate creation as we spoke about well uh, i had a lady from uh, venezuela so these, I, I try to get people from around the world and of course the what's stopping me a bit is you know the the, the language barrier because yeah mm -hmm. She's from Venezuela, and she's now residing in the U.S. And what she remembers, she's got a fascinating story. She What she remembers is, uh, I'm not sure if you're, those listening know about Barbara Marciniak and the, uh, she channels the Pleiadians. And in her one of her videos, uh, she talks about what she calls the living library. So imagine Earth in its early days, where uh, we've got like the first humans on the planet. And we, we talk about these like wars in space. And she remembers being part of the crew, coming down towards Earth, fighting on the ground with a friend to try to, to, to try to save the planet. She remembers being on a ship. She remembers coming down and she's part of the crew to protect the living library. And she remembers dying. And um so regarding that, I think that's the the only thing that could be related to like coming down towards Earth. A lot of them have the, the they do have a sense of like mission that they're here for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All of us are here for a reason, but those reasons vary. Yeah. Uh, when you're part uh, of a collective from another system, and there is this collective reason to be human, then you're connected to that reason. A lot of them saw the uh, like the new Earth, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, like they've like seen it physically. Yeah, um, I've 
I had a lady lady on that her name's Angela and um through like a either the floor or like a, a huge window they they brought her up to this planet that looked like earth and they told her what do you think and she like what do I think so what what she saw was imagine earth um no roads yeah only cities every yep. every every here every year I've like seen it. Mm -hmm. and so there's overgrowth. The animals are walking through the streets, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but there's no roads. Yep. And this was the new earth, like the plan B. Yeah. So. Okay. My guides tell me that I, in another aspect of myself, I live there. And I always find it really frustrating why we still have roads. Like I've said this on the show so many times as a kid, I knew that when I grew up, I would be in a spaceship. Right. Like I would get go to the supermarket in a spaceship, like anti-gravitic, you know, technology vehicle. Mm. And I'm still like so many years later, 50, 60 years later, we're driving in petrol cars. Like what? What? This isn't happening? But I've asked, you know, what does it look like when we don't have roads? And exactly what you've described is what I've been shown. Wow. Exactly what you described. It's beautiful. Like, when you drive on roads, I, I think I think about this a lot. Like, imagine if you were not utilizing the roads, what you could use it for. Like, there are playgrounds and parks, and and it just it all turns into greenery. Not so much. They haven't so much built houses on the roads. Yeah, you know, more buildings. It's like they were utilized for swimming pools and ponds and all sorts of things. Beautiful. I I, I, I had somebody on recently that told me that the new earth, it, it, it's, it's there, but it's like in the future. So I'm not sure how we're going to get there. So I'm not, are there multiple new earths? Yeah. I mean, time doesn't exist outside of this, you know, linear yeah. experience. Okay. Better yeah. explained is there yeah. are all different experiences of time and everything that you can imagine exists in some time space reality. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Garnet, you haven't had Garnet. Have you had Garnet on the show? You'll have to get Garnet on. I can introduce you. Where is so she from? Garnet is a Canadian, actually, a guy. He is, uh, where is he, Victoria? Um, anyway, and he about 10, 12, 13, God, I can't remember how many years ago because uh, he reached out to me almost 10 years ago, I think. He was woken up by his spirit guide and um, and taken with the, in his astral body or his Merkabah body, flown around the cosmos and earth and shown all these things, and he's written five books about it. But he said that he experienced talking to a spirit. Uh, he was on the spirit side, as he calls it, in his astral form, and a woman was thinking about reincarnating back onto earth, and she shared her experience with him and said that she had had a tragic life and she went into meditation to overcome her pain and then she got really into Indian philosophy and she went to an ashram and spent a lot of time meditating and she shifted her frequency so much from pain and, and hatred and resentment to love and light that she, during a meditation uh, session one day, woke up and she was on the new earth. She was on a different earth. And she lived out the rest of her life, her physical life on that planet experience. And then she died to that experience and went back to the spirit side. 
And um, I said to Garnet, which he didn't know the answer to, so what happened to her on the old earth? Did did her body disappear? Did they find her empty shell body? After, like, did she die during that meditation? I mean, what happened? Because he didn't know because he's not as curious as me and he doesn't ask the questions. <laughs> I would ask them so many questions. He's like, I don't know. But he said to her, so are you going to reincarnate back on the new earth? And she said, no, because I achieved this enlightenment state during my pain from moving from pain from fear to love, I'm going to go back to the old earth to help people do that. And that just made me cry when I read that or when he told me that it was so beautiful. But that new earth is there and we can ascend to it if we choose to. Like if we raise our vibe enough, we can we can do what she did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about, because I, I had a mission this year, we've been talking for almost an hour and a half, to speak about deliberate creation and how we can choose uh, how, what we experience here on earth. Because this world being so difficult to navigate in that we have many obstacles to overcome the fear and our emotions being one of them. What have you been told or your um, client, your people that are on your show from their ET family, what have they been told about how we are the creators of our reality and how we can move out of that place of fear into love, into the higher frequencies? Well, when it comes to the the experiencers, um, I guess what you attract what is what, well, you, you create your own environment, you create your own world. So how you see the world, is how you, uh, I guess it reflect, reflects back to you. Uh, I, I remember uh, Nancy Tremaine, she had a, 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 an experience, like a painful experience with uh, reptilians. Yeah. And the reptilians said something that I thought was very wise. And it came to the pain. Your pain is perceived. Yes. So either you can accept it or just like brush it off. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's it, it's how you, you, you see the world. It, it, when it comes to like, again, when certain abductees, how they see the experience, they see it bad, but why, why are they seeing it bad? Was it because they were educated to see it bad? Yeah. Did something actually go uh, bad, but you didn't know, was, uh, you didn't have the information to process it, to see it in another way. So it could have been, there might've been an animal being taken from, from the forest uh, and doing like a procedure on it to save it, how yeah. does it see it? Does it see it bad mm -hmm. or, or good? Probably mm -hmm. bad. We humans are the same. We a lot of us haven't experienced anything ET-ish. So if we're being taken for the first time, how do we approach the uh, the experience in a bad way? Because we're told like we're being bombarded by cinema. Um, when I, I would I get religion, when I would share my story with a, a, a geologist. Um, she's, she's from Africa and she's psychic. She would dream a lot about things that would happen mm -hmm. at the office. Mm -hmm. So I shared with my, I shared her, my shadow being story. And then that's when her education or her brought up being sort of kicked in. She said, are, are they, um, sorcerers uh -huh. so her, her coming from Africa uh -huh. in a religious household saw my experience as sorcerers yes exactly so it's you have to like go beyond that to when it comes to to ets and yeah you have to really think outside of the bubble 
and you have to approach approach it and set an open mind, but try not not to be um, it's influenced by it. Yeah, influence it. It's our ignorance, really, isn't it? Which is again why your show and my show is so important in educating people about these stories because it's our ignorance that creates the fear. If you don't think that this phenomena can exist when you experience it, you're in abject terror. And something that you said was quite key because you said, you know, when we capture an animal and tag it and uh, release it back into the wild, we do it for its own good. But at the time that the animal is running from us and is captured, it's terrified. But a human has the ability to turn around and say, like, who are you? Why are you doing this to me? You know, to ask questions. But you said something really interesting when I said, why didn't you ask questions? And you said, at the time, I'm just in so much awe and shock that I don't think to ask questions. And I think that's probably the same with many experiences. They're so perplexed. They're so in awe and shock at what's happening to them at the time that they don't think to ask questions like, who are you? What's your relationship with me? Why are you doing this to me? Uh, do we? Is there a soul contract? Did I elect to have this experience before I came into the body? Like these are not questions that come up at the time. Yeah. Yeah, well, what it just to talk about the your question, uh, you, a bit like what you talked about earlier, uh, like Bashar talks about mm-hmm. trying to be in the the uh, trying to project or at least think of the the outcome or the reality that you want to be a part of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the more that I'm tuned into that reality, I, I love. I want to be a healer. I'm into herbology. I love herbs and and, and cleaning the body and healing. So. Um, I'm working with other individuals to, to help themselves and at least to educate themselves. And the more I'm into, I'm intuited into that reality. That's when I'm getting, again, a lot of angel numbers, one, two, three, 11, 11, three, three, three. As soon as I deviate off that and my girlfriend also, my new girlfriend, she, as soon when she works on her health, bang, she, she gets angel numbers nonstop. As soon as she deviates by eating crap food, it stops. <laughs> as soon as she's back on track, <laughs> they're like they're sending you messages so you have to be like you have to really put yourself in the zone doing do, do the time and but try to really work on yourself and be the person that you want to be absolutely and, it, and yeah eventually it's gonna come to fruition but um i think that this teaching is such fundamental in what many of the highest conscious beings either being et star nation people or spirit guides or angelic realms are trying to teach us, you know, as humans, we're so sort of swimming around in the mire down here in the forgetfulness, and we don't understand the power of thought, the power of focus. We don't understand our own power. And I think it's such an important message that they bring and that source brings is that we create our own reality through what we focus on. Let me ask you, I don't, I'm sure lots of people understand this, but don't practice it i see it all the time coaching people and in my own family when something goes wrong and we get all upset you know how do we get ourselves out of that mindset of like this is unfair i feel terrible because if we understand that where we focus we attract more then we don't want to wallow too long in that vibration sure we can get to experience it we can play with it we understand what wallowing and fear and and distress feels like. So when you were feeling really bad when your fiance broke up with you and left, did you have any sort of tools to bring you out of that state at the time? Um, 
well, that really helped out. You know, the fact that she came back and we patched, we were able to patch things up. Um, and it, having to go through the the death of my mother, mm-hmm. and also my dad had a uh, almost a heart attack right. not too long after. So there, there was a lot of things I had to deal with. It was, with at it the was time. a lot. So I was, mm-hmm. It was a lot. Losing my house, losing my fiance. Um, I had to sort of restart my life. And so it took a few years. Um, meeting a new girlfriend, uh, an experiencer also. The night prior to our first meeting, we were meeting up the next day for breakfast. I drove down five hours to meet her. She asked me out. And the night prior, we probably got abducted. Do you want me to get into that? or uh, God, we could be here all night, couldn't we? I know. Oh, but yeah, there's... <laughs> But, You've got so um, much to share, Jan. Yeah. You've been sharing other people's stories for a few years now, and your story is so extensive. Yeah, I'd, I would love to know that you got uh, abducted. The, the thing is, well, I, well, I talk a lot about the, the seven to eight year period where there's ups and downs. Sometimes you got, you, got, you have a look at like what I had, loads of experiences, then nada. nada. During that time, I felt... I felt down. I felt depressed. I felt alone. What did I do? I had open. I also had open heart surgery during in two thousand, yeah, two thousand sixteen. Wow! So I had a lot of things to go through. You did, and up to those that point of the the operation, I had loads of body taps at night. And on, uh, I yeah, I got so much to share. But eventually, well, just to talk about my my new girlfriend. I drove down to see her, and at the hotel, I, I wake up at night conscious, my eyes are closed, and I feel two hands slightly touch me on either side of my body, and I'm being pushed on the bed, from one side of the bed to the other. I, I don't feel the bed, I feel I'm gliding, and I thought, I'm being abducted. Like, okay, so I send love out, I, I was expecting grace, I send out love telepathically and what i i was expecting like verbal talk like like telepath telepathy and instead of that i hear these high-pitched shrills like inhumane something you'd hear like in a a movie a scary movie and i thought oh that's weird i send love out again because i was super calm i'm being moved on the bed I send out love, and I hear another high-pitched shrill, a shriek, a banshee shriek. That I, I suspect during that time, I'm in between the bed and the wall, and I'm being pushed towards the wall where the, the pillow was. And I'm probably, I feel I'm going like I'm probably going through it. My eyes are closed, of course, but I suspect during with you know the timing, I'm going through the wall. That I feel like I'm going upwards. Then my consciousness blacks out. I wake up a few hours later in my bed. I didn't, I, for some reason, I didn't check my body for marks. And uh, I go on Facebook, I, I write the story, but I don't talk about the shrieking part. I, I fall back asleep and around 70-ish, I get up and uh, I start talking with my soon-to-be girlfriend on Facebook. And I said, uh, I think something happened to me last night. Did something happen to you? And she says, yeah, something happened to me too. And then she starts describing that I think I'm dreaming and I'm feeling like somebody putting pillows all around me, giving me a huge hug, putting a pillow on my face, and, and, and putting pressure on the pillow. And I, I send them 
telepathically this message, stop it, you're hurting me. And this time I'm, she starts hearing these high-pitched shrieks, like I did. But three times instead of two before she blacked out. So both of us were being moved on the bed. I had the I, I felt the hands. She had the pillows. When we both heard the shrieks, this the same hours, well, the same like during the night, during the same wee hours. So I think that they were looking. They they wanted maybe they they checked up on us to see if we were compatible. Perhaps I don't know. Reminded me of Eve Lorigan's book, Love Bite, where the ETs tend to put people together uh, as a couple. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Because they, they want to manipulate. I, I felt like a chess piece when I was dating my UK <laughs> fiance. Because yeah, I had a, like, a mission with her. And then I've got a mission with my current girlfriend. So it, it, it's strange the how we're being moved around. And now I'm meeting these individuals. I'm learning from them. They're learning from me. And I'm helping others share their story too. It's, it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, I love it. Chess piece. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't. Have you had Donna Lynn on your show? I think you have, haven't you? Um, I think I asked her. I'm not sure if she uh, was she on your show. She came on my show in 2018, and then she disappeared off the internet. And then I found her again, and she said, "Yep, yeah, I went off Facebook. I took down my website." Uh, she, so she shared her story, and she got a bit of attention. And then she didn't want the attention. She wanted to be a grandmother, and. But her story is fascinating because her book is called From Fear to Love and it's exactly what we're talking about in that when she was recalling her abduction experiences, she was in abject terror and fear. And then she realised um, one of the things that she said that when she was on the table, uh, she threw her arm out and she hit this little grey and he went flinging across the room. <laughs> he went flinging across the room and hit the wall of the spaceship or something, I can't remember. And she realised that... Uh, that they were quite soft and vulnerable and she felt so terrible and she she had this compassion towards this being instead of feeling like it was this horrible experience and they were her persecutors, like she had this compassion. And as soon as she went into compassion, she was able to come out of that fear state and move into understanding and acceptance and then realise that her she had a soul contract and it was all set up and and then she moved into love of these beings. And that's what she called the book from fear to love. Uh, but well, she well, remembers also what we were speaking about before being in an ET body, a gray body and electing to come to earth in a physical form, in a human form and, and looking at the earth experience as she would look at a smorgasbord and then picking up a plate and, taking from the table of the earth experience and putting it on her plate was the analogy that we spoke about. And she's like, death, divorce, disease, you know, like, yep, I'll put that on my plate. I'll put that on my plate. And her guide, who was an ET at the time, says, are you sure you'll be able to handle all that? And from that perspective, she's like, sure, it'll be a breeze. And But we laughed about, you know, experiencing all those things like you experienced the you know, the death of your mother and she went through death and divorce and disease and all those things you had there. You've had the gamut of it too. You yeah. piled a lot on your plate as well. Yeah. I suspect my list was big and I, I checked marked <laughs> everything down. It didn't feel as easy as when she was choosing it from the smorgasbord. So yeah. I loved the conversation. You know, I've spoken to so many people over the years, Yan, and, and people like Donna, they just, they really stand out. She stood out for me. 
Yeah. I think I did ask her, but she, uh, she said no. She, she might come back. I, I think that the grandmother duties might have be less, you know, the kids are growing up now and yeah. So she might, she might come back, but yeah, she's, she's gorgeous, Donna. Yeah. But look, one of the things that Yana and I spoke about before the show, not this time, but when we were chatting before was uh, I sent, I sent Yana um, a fabulous, because Bashar's, you know, Daryl Anker's everywhere channeling Bashar, but there was this fabulous little documentary that well, someone made on YouTube and I sent it and uh, and you had written, oh, I love Bashar. I said, why don't you get him on your show? And, and Deanne had said to me, well, no, I tend to focus on the people that are not out there, you know, the, the people that need to tell their story, the pe people that are scared, like those, not the big names. And I felt, I thought that was so beautiful because many podcasters, you know, want the big names on the show so that they get lots of eyes on their show and lots of subscriptions and it's all kind of like a money project but you're doing it from an absolute place of service and uh yeah. and i just thought that was so beautiful i've only i've only recently started asking for like donations like for the first two years i did not want but you know life's really hard these days and i get a few bucks here and there and that's i'm really happy with that um everything's like paid out of my own pockets and like, yeah. you know, how many hours we put into this, like the research, the yep. contacts, the befriending, then the, oh, really? the you know, the planning, the, the, the filming, the editing. And it's a lot of work. I've been doing it for 15 years. And before that, I was showing up at a meeting every Monday night and showcasing experiences and New World Teachers there. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a service. I do see it as my service because I don't monetize my platform either and uh yeah i don't yeah you know, people do send me donations i do have a donation like if you're enjoying the shows you can add a you can pay something but rarely people do i have a few i have to say thank you to the regulars like there's probably about three or four regulars that you know always give me a bit of money ten dollars here and twenty dollars there and thirty dollars here it's really really nice to have that support yeah. but yeah uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. I think you're doing an amazing job. And as I say, I'm going to cut it off here because we could talk for another three hours. You've got so much to share. I'll get you back. I'll get you into the inner sanctum and we'll have a live discussion and we can stream it on your platform and mine. How does that sound? And we can get Lovely, some yes. people chatting. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, and it's been so beautiful to hear your story. Thank you so much for sharing with so us much. today. You're lovely. Thank you so much.